Thursday, October 24th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our Week 8 Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola, and we are about to hit the halfway point of most fantasy seasons. Uh, it's it's moving. It's moving. It's gone quickly, but, it, but it's not gone quickly at the same time. Especially <laughs> if you're an injured quarterback, and we're going to get onto that right in the first game on our list here. It's Arizona at New Orleans, and the question here, Saints are 10.5-point favorites. The question is whether Drew Brees is going to be the quarterback for the Saints this week. And just before we started recording, we saw that Ian Rappaport's passing along. Drew Brees says he's ready to go. So that, I guess that leaves it as a decision for Sean Payton. I think if Drew Brees is ready to go, it's really not a decision for Sean Payton. Teddy Bridgewater's been good the past couple of weeks, but it's Drew Brees. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a week before I think he was you know expected to come back with the six-week timetable, and the Saints do have a week nine bye, so you know, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if they held him out one more week, but if he's feeling good enough, if he's medically cleared, I don't see a reason not to go back to him. I think for fantasy, there's some elevated risk because it was a throwing thumb injury but I mean again if, if he's out there if the Saints feel good enough about him if Breeze feels good enough to be out there I think you go back to using him in fantasy in this matchup at home against the Cardinals right we'll have to watch into the weekend to see what they're actually doing but for this they were saying that it might be a game time decision I don't see how a thumb's a game time decision right. it's either ready or it's not yeah. if if Breeze is playing then I'm playing him pretty comfortably against Arizona the Cardinals enter this game with an applied total of just 19 points, 10.5 point underdogs, and they face a Saints defense that has been really tough lately. Past four New Orleans opponents have all been held under 260 total yards. And yeah, it was the Bears last week, but before that it was the Cowboys, the Bucks, the Jaguars. So they're playing really well. They're holding opponents down scoring-wise too. I mean, the Bears scored 15 fourth quarter points last yeah. week. They were getting blown out before that. The Bucks were down by two touchdowns until they scored with 19 seconds left in that game. And, of course, the other two opponents barely scored any points. Saints up to eighth overall in defense, according to Football Outsiders. Twelfth against the pass, ninth against the run. And that's despite a fairly weak start to the season on defense yeah. against Houston, the Rams, and the Seahawks. Yeah, definitely a tough spot for Kyler Murray here. Maybe his toughest spot yet on the road and what can be a tough place to play. The Saints have held opposing quarterbacks to a 59% completion rate, just 5.9 yards per attempt over those last four games. Murray still sits in quarterback one territory in our rankings. I would be fine sticking with him if he's your guy. You still have the elevated pace from the Cardinals. He still brings the rushing ability. Um, the Saints allowed... 40 yards and a score on the ground to Deshaun Watson, 51 yards and two scores on the ground to, to Russell Wilson. So Murray can give you that. Saints secondary also kind of undermanned here. P.J. Williams suspended for one more game. Patrick Robinson hurt his hamstring last week. He was the replacement for P.J. Williams. And then Eli Apple left last week's game late with a knee injury. He was limited in Wednesday's practice. So if those guys are out, it becomes a, a bit better matchup for Kyler. Yeah, I think they might even be in better shape with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson in the slot instead of P.J. Williams, though. He played 91% of the snaps last week. He's actually graded out as a top five defender among Saints defenders in the past two games. I think the defense will be fine. I do think it's a tough spot for Kyler Murray. I think the rushing keeps him in play. I think if he were less of a runner, he would be like QB 15 on our chart this week. I agree. I'm not excited about him, but I'm okay with him as my starter if he's the guy. I'm not going crazy trying to find a replacement for him this week. Yep, agreed. 
Uh, and I do think that he'll have to throw more this week than he did against the Giants last week when he only went 14 to 21 for 100 yard for 104 yards passing. Larry Fitzgerald been lackluster really since his two 100 yard games to open the season, but last week was the first time that he didn't win on volume for us. Five plus catches in each of the first six games before the three targets, one catch against the Giants. Yeah, I mean, like you said with Kyler and the, the 21 pass attempts, that, that the game flow is the issue for Fitz in that one. He he has reverted back to like the guy we expected him to be. Um, just 9.7 yards per catch over the last five games after having you know. Bigger plays, I guess, in, in, in the first two games. Mm-hmm. Um, matchup's good here, though. The Saints have allowed the third most fantasy points to slot receivers. And like you said, the passing volume should be back up in this game. Christian Kirk was still limited with his ankle injury Wednesday. So we'll have to see about him. They said he when he's 100%, he's going to play. So yeah. if he's in the lineup, we should consider him usable. That said, if Christian Kirk returns for this game, he's probably going to get Marshawn Lattimore in primary coverage. Yeah, tough spot for him, obviously. I would probably try to weigh down using, using him for at least one more week. If you've been using Keyshawn Johnson, he's off the board now. He dropped to like sixth among um, Cardinals wide receivers in snaps last week. It was actually uh, Demir Bird and Trent Sherfield up there in the top three with Larry Fitz. Yeah, both of those guys cracked 80% playing time last week. You know, they're in play if you need them. I wouldn't go reaching for either of them. No Cardinal top four targets against the Giants. Pharaoh Cooper and Chase Edmonds tied for the team lead in that game. Fitz was the only other guy that saw more than two targets. So I think we throw out the yeah. the target splits from that game. And, you know, we consider Larry Fitzgerald and, and try for nobody else among Cardinals receivers for this matchup. Yep, agreed. Alfred Morris is signing this week. I don't think that bodes well for David Johnson's outlook. And frankly, I think it's better for all of us in fantasy if David Johnson doesn't play this week against New Orleans. Yeah, I agree. I mean, then you can just use Chase Edmonds. This matchup is a lot tougher than the Giants one. Mm-hmm. Um, the Saints are ninth in football outsiders run to either fifth and adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. But, you know, Edmonds is a good bet for 20-plus touches, so he, he's a strong season-long play. Yeah, target volume will be there if nothing else. On the Saints side, I mean, mostly the same as it has been. Latavius Murray showed us last week that he's an easy starter if Alvin Kamara remains out. Jared Cook gets the matchup that has vaulted everyone except Evan Engram into (laughs) fantasy heavens. If Jared Cook is ready for this game, of course. He was still not practicing Wednesday with the ankle issue that kept him out last week. Yeah, then if Cook's out, which I'm sort of assuming at this point, again, with the Saints bye coming up next week, um, you know, Josh Hill is the lead tight end, but that's, that's a thin play even in this matchup, so I'd... Try to avoid that. The one ancillary guy I like here is Ted Ginn. Um, he's seen five-plus targets in four of his last five games now. Patrick Peterson will be on Michael Thomas. At least when Thomas is on the outside, that's going to put Ginn on Byron Murphy, who's been getting smoked all year. He's given up 30 catches, 336 yards, and three touchdowns in coverage this season. Yeah, I like it, especially for DFS. Yes. Tampa Bay at Tennessee. The Titans are two-and-a-half-point home favorites, a middling over-under 45-and-a-half. Jameis Winston was awful the last time that we saw him on a football field, and yet he still threw for 400 yards, still finished QB 16 in fantasy. So there's some downside risk against Tennessee. It is a negative QB scoring matchup according to our strength of schedule page, but the Bucs are not likely to run the ball a whole lot in this game, not likely to succeed on that front. The Titans sit third best in run defense according to Football Outsiders, 23rd against the pass. So I think we'll get plenty of pass volume again. I think Winston's a solid bet this week. I'm playing him over Kyler Murray, for example. Uh, I'd go Kyler Murray there. I, th- I mean, it's tough to count on like garbage time if Winston's playing that poorly. I mean, he could definitely bounce back. We've seen this many times where Winston sucks one week and then comes back and plays well the next week. I was surprised, like you said, that the Titans are down at uh, 23rd in Football Outsiders' pass defense rankings. That makes me feel 
a bit better about him. I mean, he he's I, I think he's still a risky play, but he has upside. You know, he has a, a pair of top five fantasy finishes this season. Yeah, we know that he has basement game potential to him, but really it's just been the really bad Carolina game and the really bad week one game against the Niners. And, and since then, the Niners have showed us that they're one of the best defenses in the league. Otherwise, Jameis Winston's been fine to very good for fantasy purposes. Yep. Fifth, first, 14th, and 16th, by the way, fantasy finishes the past four weeks. I would try not to use any Bucks running back in this game. Dario Gunbwale, his snap share is up. It's steadily risen since week two. Season high of 58% playing time last time out, but still no more than three catches or 27 yards since the opener. Three and a half targets per game on the season. Just three total carries. Yeah, Ogunbowale still just uh, passing down back, catch up back. and They were playing from behind that entire game against the Panthers. I think mm-hmm. that's why he set the season high in playing time. I'm I still hoping the Bucks commit to Ronald Jones and maybe you know the bye week helped them get there but I think you, you got to take a wait and see approach and hopefully not use any of these guys yeah and it's not a great spot for a rushing upside as you mentioned Chris Godwin's an obvious starter Mike Evans is a near obvious starter who's going to frustrate you at times but yeah, I mean he's still yes. you know wide receiver one most of the time yep OJ Howard dealing with a hamstring injury didn't practice on Thursday so you know, if he's out I think that turns Cameron Bray into a spot start option yeah, Cameron Bray, two red zone targets within the past three games, scored on both of them, including a 10-yarder. And according to Pro Football Reference, we don't have any O.J. Howard targets <laughs> from inside the 10-yard line this year. Of course not. I mean, why, why would you target that guy inside the 10-yard line? Yeah, Cameron Bray around. <laughs> it's a top-12 scoring matchup for both defenses. The Titans have actually been a much more favorable matchup than the Bucks. Third best in the league, of course. Nearly all of that was with Marcus Mariota. We don't. We're still learning what Ryan Tannehill as the Tennessee quarterback means for fantasy defenses. Yeah, I mean, I think Tennessee clearly the better fantasy player. I think they're the better defense. They're at home. They're facing the more turnover prone quarterback. Mm-hmm. New York Giants at Detroit Lions this week. The Lions are seven point home favorites. A forty nine point over under. Daniel Jones has one total touchdown in each of his four games since that big one at Tampa Bay. He's got a 64.8 passer rating over that span, 5.9 yards per pass attempt, and even just 22 rushing yards per game in that span. He sits 18th in QBR for the season. The Lions took a big dive in defensive DVOA after that game against the Vikings. Still a decent 15th against the pass. Yeah, I think Jones at this point is is back to only an option in two quarterback leagues. Just, just not playing well. 29th in pro football focuses passing grades um, over those last four weeks since that Bucks game. So I would not trust him as a um, quarterback one spot starter. Sterling Shepard is still limited by a concussion. We'll see if he's ready for this game. Golden Tate, either way, looks pretty good. Six, nine, and 11 targets in his three games since returning from his suspension. Six catches in two straight games. Had the great matchup with Arizona last week. Had a terrible matchup with New England the week before and had a big game there. So I think he's a solid option across formats. Yeah, this matchup's fine. The Lions are 21st in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wideouts. They're a slightly positive matchup for slot receivers, which is is where Tate's still running most of his routes. Yeah, and Darius Slay might be out for this game. He's been in and out with a hamstring injury over the past couple weeks, and that affects the entire crew of cornerbacks because slot guy Justin Coleman slid outside for more of his snaps last week when they were when Darius Slay left that game early. Evan Ingram's still an every week starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, before last week's dud against the Cardinals, he had 16 catches over his previous three games. Yeah, and his usage was fine last week in that first game back from his injury. Um, ran around on 90% of the dropbacks. Saw, saw five targets. Um, had a couple drops that I saw. So just a bad game for him, but 
Um, the usage was fine. This matchup's pretty good, too, against the Lions. They're 24th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. I do hope that we get Darius Slay healthy for this game, just so we can see Darius Slay matched up against Darius Slayton at some point. <laughs> nice. On the Lions side, I think you play everybody. Matthew Stafford's a top-shelf option, despite Kyler Murray's disappointing day against the Giants. Kenny Galladay is a wide receiver one. Marvin Jones is on the wide receiver two fringe at this point. It looks like he'll see more of Janoris Jenkins. Galladay should see more of rookie DeAndre Baker. Solid spot for for both. And I think the fact that it's a solid spot for both and a good spot for the overall offense means that we should not look too much at Danny Amendola's work from last week. No, I mean, second big game of the year for Amendola, but he's been basically invisible in the other four. So, yeah, still avoiding him. Like you said, um, Jenkins and DeAndre Baker have both been bad as the Giants outside corner. So I think it's a great spot for both Galladay and Marvin Jones. Definitely, you know, don't don't go away from Galladay after last week's dud. That was his first game offseason with fewer than eight targets. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying anything special about TJ Hawkinson this week because the matchup isn't anything special for tight ends here and the matchups are fine for everybody else and it looks like they're going to need a reason to target him anymore. Yeah, that's true. He's seen six and five targets in the two games since the bye week, which, you know, in in this tight end landscape puts him in play. Yeah, (laughs) I mean... Puts him in play, but I agree. This should be a spot where the Lions are, you know, using Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay more so in the passing game. Yeah, I mean, he's he's in play, but this is not going to be a week where I say, well, you know, this matchup, blah, blah, blah. It's, I mean, it, right. he's if you need a tight end who can see five targets this week right. and catch three of them, then he's your guy. So this is probably the week he scores twice. Probably. <laughs> Ty Johnson is probably the guy that we need to talk about here. <laughs> For me, he's an, I guess, RB2. Uh, We don't know about the workload. We're waiting to see that part. It's a good spot for him to get plenty of work. The thing that bugs me here, though, is that Detroit's offense has been terrible running the ball. 27th in rushing efficiency so far versus the number four offense in passing efficiency. Giants enter as the number 27 pass defense, the number 14 run defense. So... You know, if Ty Johnson carries 18 to 20 times and Mm. catches three balls, then yeah, sure, he's going to deliver starter value. But, I mean, if it's not working out and they go away from him, uh, he's not too high on my list. Yeah, I mean, I I think a low-end running back, too, is what he is. And we don't know for sure what the workload split's going to be. We'll we'll have a better idea after this week. But Mm -hmm. we do know after carry-on Johnson left last week's game, Ty Johnson saw eight carries and four targets versus J.D. McKissick's four carries and two targets. So, it was two-thirds of the work. For Ty Johnson, they did promote Paul Perkins from the practice squad. They have Trey Carson as well, so there's there's bodies in the backfield, but I think Ty Johnson is the best bet. And I think this is a good matchup, too. I mean, we just saw Chase Edmonds smash the Giants' run D. Um, New York's allowing 4.5 yards per carry on the season, 4.7 yards per carry over the last five games. I would not play... So if you paid up for Ty Johnson, you pretty much have to play him this week, because otherwise, why would you pay up for him? I'm not playing him over Matt Breida. I'm not playing him over Austin Eckler. I'm not playing him over Jamal Williams. It would be close with James White in non-PPR. I would probably play Ty Johnson in non-PPR. It would not be close between him and James White in PPR. Yeah, I agree with um, White and even Eckler in PPR. I I like Ty Johnson over all those guys except probably Matt Breda in non-PPR. I would play, I did say when we were doing our rankings earlier in the week that I would play Miles Sanders. I would play Ty Johnson at this point over Miles Sanders. Uh, I would also play Ty Johnson over any Bucks running back. I would play him over Joe Mixon, which sucks. (laughs) And I would play him over David Montgomery this week. Yep, agreed. All right. And I would also go back to the Lions defense this week, despite them letting us down last week. Last week was always like a, oh, I hope that Kirk 
Cousins has a dud and it works out. He didn't and it didn't, but this is a way better matchup. Yeah, last week was just rough for streaming defenses, right? I think the Lions, like, by default became an option. This is actually a better week for streaming defenses, so maybe you don't mm-hmm. have to go to him, but, right. but I do like the Lions better this week than last week. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati is playing the Rams in London. The Rams are 13-point favorites. The Bengals are implied for just 17.5 points here. By the way, both teams are traveling after their Thursday practice, so okay, neither no one should have the edge on when they get there. The Rams did play in London two years ago. I saw where the team requested an East Coast game before the London game so that they could keep their travel schedule from two years ago when they stayed on the East Coast after the game and then traveled over to London. I don't know how much it matters for this one because it's a gigantic mismatch because the Bengals are terrible. We'll we'll go with basically the one Bengal that we need to talk about. The PFF matchup chart says Jalen Ramsey should shadow Tyler Boyd, which makes sense given who else is playing wide receiver for the Bengals at this point. I think Tyler Boyd's still a wide receiver three, certainly not anybody yeah. I'm excited about. And that's probably the nicest thing I can say about any Bengal heading into this it, one. Is Ramsey going to follow Boyd into the slot, though? Bo- I mean, Boyd's that's run, what it has on yeah. the chart. Yeah, Boyd's run 65% of his routes from the slot this season. Um, so I'll be curious to check on that. Man, Boyd, Boyd is like, the volume has been so good. You know, he saw another 14 targets last week. He's seen double-digit targets in five of seven games, but he has 11 or fewer PPR points in three of the last four. So it's not really translating, I think. Wide receiver three sounds about right for him. Uh, I think he's you know still relatively safe because of that volume, and he has shown us a few ceiling games, but mm-hmm. um, you know he he's not producing what he should based on the volume he's getting. Right, I don't think it's going to be a huge one here. The volume is there though; it's going to be tough to sit him unless you have a pretty stacked wide receiver core. And really, I don't know. I'm not sure how much it matters who covers him here. It's going to be a defense that's better than his offense is. <laughs> right. If he gets thrown the ball 14 times, he should catch at least yeah. five of them. Yeah, I mean, the concern for the Bengals here is if they're going to be able to block the the Rams long enough for Andy Dalton to do anything. Yes, and they won't. On the Rams side, it's everybody. Gerald Everett is an every-week starter at this point. He's seen about 23% of Rams targets over the past three games, ahead of Brandon Cooks, ahead of Robert Woods on that list. So he has gone from, you know, speculative to let's throw away those eight targets in that goofy Tampa Bay game to, oh, he's getting the ball. He was the lead target last week against Atlanta. Yeah, and don't be scared off by the fancy points allowed numbers for the Bengals. They haven't given up much of tight end. That's because they've only faced 34 tight end targets. Uh, Football Outsiders has them 28th in tight end coverage. Now, I mean, maybe the Rams just, you know, torch Cincinnati with their wide receivers and it hurts Everett in this spot. But I I think any any targets Everett does get, he should do some, some damage with them. Yeah, and I mean, Everett got 10 targets at Atlanta against a secondary that's awful. (laughs) You know, there were good matchups for all of the wideouts, and yet they were still trying deep stuff to Gerald Everett and gave him a screen near the goal line. So he's a featured member of the offense right now. I think you hope for a big Todd Gurley game here so you can trade him. He's got five (laughs) touchdowns over the past three games. Terrible efficiency. I mean, his one target last week was a 13-yard touchdown pass. Yeah, he also played a season-low 61% of the snaps last week, and that might have had something to do with the fact that the Rams were playing with a big lead throughout. Or it might be, you know, Gurley's last, the last time we saw Gurley before that, he was up into the 90s, and then, you know, he, he misses the next game with a quad injury. So maybe it's the Rams saying, oh, you know, we, we can't give this guy workhorse usage going forward. So that'll be something to keep an eye on this week. I think if Malcolm Brown is out, that Daryl Henderson is like a running back three or flex option. Um, he got 11 carries and one target last week. I think he could be looking at a similar workload in this game, and, and the matchup's even better than it was last week. I agree, and he was working in the entire game. He saw playing time on every single full drive that they had. It wasn't like they got up big and then they pulled Gurley and put Henderson in. And early in the season, they were 
alternating drives, it would be like two Gurley drives and then a Malcolm Brown drive. This time it was Gurley runs twice, Daryl Henderson enters the game for a few snaps, then Gurley's back, then Henderson. So he Henderson was in the mix the whole time. I'll be curious to see what they do with Henderson once yeah. Malcolm Brown is ready to return. I think Daryl Henderson at this point, I, I think he's a bigger talent than Malcolm Brown. He might right now be a bigger talent than Todd Gurley. Yeah, he might. He, he, I think he just gives the offense something different. Brown, to me, as a runner, is pretty similar to Todd Gurley, where you know Henderson gives him more of that big play pop. Philadelphia at Buffalo, a game I will be at, so I hope it's not too cold. Mm-hmm. Bills are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. That is up uh, one-and-a-half from where it opened. On the Philly side, it looks like a Jordan Howard game to me. Bills are fifth in pass D, 23rd against the run, according to Football Outsiders. Every Bills opponent, they haven't given up big running back numbers, but every Bills opponent has had a lead back over 60 yards so far. They've had touchdown rushes by a running back in four of the six games. Mark Walton went for 66 on 14 carries last week. So, you know, that's a good example. It's not a big rushing game, but that that's a huge rushing game for Mark Walton <laughs> at Buffalo. And looking back to week three in that matchup with the Bengals, Joe Mixon, the 61 yards on 15 carries didn't look very good at the time. Compared <laughs> to the rest of the season, yeah. it looks like a very good game for him now. So we saw 13 and 11 carries for Jordan Howard over the past two weeks, despite lopsided losses. I think he'll be a fairly safe bet for around 13 carries, at least in this game, <laughs> maybe a few more, and a, a decent chance to score. Yeah, Howard has between 11 and 15 carries in five straight games, so it's been a pretty consistent um, volume for him. He's emerged as the clear lead ball carrier over the last two weeks, um, 24 carries for Jordan Howard to just nine for Miles Sanders. They're using Sanders even more in just a pass-catching role. So, yeah, if I'm the Eagles, I'm coming into this game looking to establish Jordan Howard in the ground game because it's definitely a tough matchup in the passing game, especially with Deshaun Jackson looking like like he's going to be out again. Yeah, still out Wednesday. It doesn't look like he's going to be back this week, so we'll see beyond this. Miles Sanders is a down-the-list PPR option. I I wouldn't even call him like a a sneaky one. I'd probably play Daryl Henderson over him if there's no Malcolm Brown. Three-plus catches in three straight games, but... It got nothing downfield against Dallas. So what you what you're hoping for if you play Miles Sanders, the Eagles do try him on deeper routes, like more downfield routes than most running backs. So you're hoping that he gets a couple of those and stacks up some yardage. Yeah, I mean the downfield routes are nice for the ceiling, but they're also, you know, less likely to be completed. And when the guy I mean Sanders only has nine carries and six targets over the mm-hmm. last two games. So he you know, his his floor is super low. Buffalo is twenty seventh in football outsiders running back coverage rankings. They've allowed eight catches, fifty seven yards to James White three catches, 37 yards to Kenny and Drake among his last three. So, you know, it's definitely a spot where Sanders could do some damage in the passing game. Yeah, and they were missing Matt Milano, a weak side linebacker, last week. He might be out again with the hamstring injury. I would imagine that can only help in that area. Alshon Jeffrey, I think, is a low-end wide receiver three here, like very low-end. I think there's more upside for PPR just because the target ceiling rises with the injuries around him and because it's a bad matchup for Philly's tight ends. Yeah, the targets have been nice for Alshon. It's a bad match for him, too, probably seeing uh, a shadow from Tredavious White, who's 17th in PFF's uh, cornerback coverage rankings. And Football Outsiders has Buffalo fourth in coverage against number one wide receivers. I think all of that clearly makes it a bad spot for Carson Wentz. There are lots of people I wouldn't usually want to play over Carson Wentz that I'm pretty easily playing ahead of him this week. Yeah, I'd play um, you know, Kyler Murray, both the quarterbacks in the Bucks Titans game over Wentz pretty easily. Yeah, imagine that at the beginning of the season. <laughs> Ryan week, Tannehill. It's week eight and you're starting Ryan Tannehill over <laughs> Carson Wentz, and yeah. pretty comfortably, honestly. Yep. It should be John Brown week, and I'm definitely gonna play him in DFS so that I can cheer yep. whether the <laughs> Bills are running up the score or the Eagles are winning. 
Amari Cooper last week became the seventh wideout this season to hit 100 yards against the Eagles. He did so on just five targets, caught all five for 106. We only got 27 pass attempts from the Cowboys in a Zeke Elliott game. The Bills don't have a Zeke Elliott. I don't think Frank Gore and or Devin Singletary will do anything close. So we should get more passing here, I think. Brown has had at least four catches and at least 51 yards every single week. And he's only had one game of less than five catches or less than 69 yards. So he's basically working at a 12-point PPR floor. Yeah, that's kind of un-John Brown-like. It's been nice to see him offer more consistency this season. I think this could be a big ceiling game, though. The matchup's obviously great. The Eagles, 31st in adjusted fantasy points allowed. Eagles have also allowed the second most completions of 40-plus yards this season, eight of them. So, you know, they've been susceptible to the big play. I I think you're going to get a big play or two out of John Brown here. Yeah, they got Jalen Mills back at corner last week. It looks like they'll get Ronald Darby back at corner this week. I don't think that changes the outlook at all for John Brown in this game. Nope. Josh Allen, a quarterback, is a top play. There's always downside risk to him that he just, you know, throws some bad stuff. But uh, the Eagles are a positive matchup for quarterbacks, and they would probably even rate much more positive than they do, but they've already faced Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott. So they've just given up big points to guys who have also scored big points against other teams. Yeah, I mean, good matchup for Allen here, Um, especially on the ground, too. The Eagles gave up 46 rushing yards to Aaron Rodgers. They gave up 30 yards and a score to Dak Prescott last week. So, you know, Allen always brings that rushing upside. Um, he's finished as a top 15 fantasy quarterback in four of six games this season. So he's been steady already. And I think he has a higher ceiling this week. Yeah. Eagles dealing with injury to Nigel Bradham, which only helps the matchup for QB rushing. Cole Beasley has had high target games against the Bengals and the Patriots. They of course, the bills were trailing the Bengals for a surprising amount of that game. They were trailing the Patriots for plenty of that game and they were trailing the jets for a lot of week one. That was the week where Cole Beasley had nine targets. He had double digits against the Bengals and Patriots. The other three games, four, three, and six targets. So I think Beasley is a fringe option because of the matchup, but definitely not exciting unless you're betting on the Eagles jumping ahead in this game. Yeah, the Eagles have also allowed the second fewest fantasy points to slot receivers, and I think that's more them just getting torched on the outside. I don't think it's a bad matchup for Beasley in the slot, but it could be a game where Josh Allen doesn't need to use him as much. Yeah. Uh, Both defenses are in play. The offenses are basically identical as scoring matchups according to the strength of schedule page so far this year. Yep. The Jets at Jacksonville. Jaguars are six-point favorites, and that's up one point from where it opened. A low over-under. To me, I mean, I would certainly bet Jacksonville if it were even money. Mm -hmm. But the six-point line seems like an overreaction to what happened Monday night. It definitely is. I I would take the Jets plus the points here. I agree. That said, Sam Darnold's coming in with a toe injury that, that I mean, he's going to play, <laughs> yeah. but I'm certainly not comfy with him with any kind of foot issue in this one. He would be well into QB2 territory. I am okay, however, with Robbie Anderson and Jamison Crowder this week. Yeah, I think with Darnold, if you have him stashed, you obviously keep him on your bench and you just hope for a bounce back performance so you can use him next week when, you know, that string of like five or six great matchups mm-hmm. starts. Um, yeah, Robbie Anderson, pretty good spot if... Darnold bounces back. Um, Anderson's seen seven, eight, and eight targets in um, Sam Darnold's three games this season. He's going to see a bunch of Trey Herndon, who's been bad all season, on the outside for the Jags. And hey, if game flow does go the way that the Vegas projection says, then maybe we'll get more passing volume and even more targets for these top two. Mm -hmm. Chris Herndon put in a limited practice Wednesday. He's got to come back from his hamstring injury. I would really like to see him play a game before I use him, if possible. Obviously, lots of people are hard up at tight end, though. Yeah, I, I agree. I would try to wait. On Herndon, um, just the fact that it's his first game of the season, coming off a hamstring after what we saw from Darnold last week. And this matchup's not great either. The Jags are 12th 
in football outsiders tight, tight end coverage. They're 11th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to the position. If I could have Chris Herndon on my roster and and yet play Noah Fant or J- mm. Jordan Aikens over him, I think I would take a shot on either of those guys. I think Johnny Smith would easily be ahead of, John, of all those three. Yeah, Johnny Smith easily. I wouldn't play Fant over Herndon, and Aikens would be tough. They're all in that range where <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't I, I wouldn't bet money on any particular finish among those three. Seattle at Atlanta, unless you got anything uh, else got, on the Jacksonville side. I mean, oh, you yeah. start the guys. Yeah, I think D.D. Westbrook is sort of flying under the radar a bit. He actually leads the team in targets now. He has five-plus catches in five of seven games. So he, he's a pretty you know high-floor wide receiver three-play. Mm, and it's a good spot for D.J. Chark and Leonard Fournette's obviously going to get 47 touches. So. Yep. And, and, and Gardner Minshew's not a yeah, starter. Exactly. All right. That was easy. So now we'll move on to Seattle at Atlanta where the Seahawks are three and a half point favorites. And I think that's a little low. The over under is 54. So we've got the Seahawks implied for nearly 29 points. We've got the Falcons implied for 25. And I don't know if Vegas just doesn't believe that Matt Ryan's not going to play. But that's a ridiculous number if there's no Matt Ryan. Yeah, I I was going to say that the line makes me think that Vegas is thinking Ryan's going to play. I sort of don't expect him to, but it's, it's interesting. We haven't gotten Thursday practice reports yet as of this recording. It did say that Matt Ryan is not expected to practice today, though, so I would expect that he's not playing. And again, if there's no Matt Ryan in this game, I think it's a lopsided win for Seattle and Atlanta struggles to score points. Yep. I think you play everything on the Seahawks side, you know, at appropriate levels. Tyler Lockett's target shares have been frustrating, but he's still delivering on lower volume. So, I mean, in season long, you're using him. I would say don't overrate DK Metcalf this week off of uh, his season high nine targets. Uh, Metcalf's my guy this week. He's no, my guy. No you you, you asked uh, Monday who the random three touchdown wide receivers. <laughs> I think it's DK Metcalf. You have to get throwing the ball more than three times. He's to tied. Catch three he's tied for first among wide receivers in red zone targets, and he leads wide receivers in end zone targets. He's getting touchdown opportunities. All right. Well, there you go. Jared Smola predicts three touchdowns for DK Metcalf this week. Look at. Uh, Russell Wilson, of course, threw 41 times last week because they lost the Ravens. It's not going to happen this week. He's going to throw 22 passes. And Jacob Hollister came out of nowhere yeah. for something last week. I make him do it again before he use it. But it is worth noting that he played 36% and then 51% of the snaps. Last week was the first game post-Will Disley. The week before yep. was the Will Disley injury game. Yeah, 57% route rate for Hollister versus just 28% for Luke Wilson. Hollister saw six targets, a 14.6% target share. If he, if he stays at those marks, he'll you know be a lower level spot start option going forward. But I agree. I think we got to see it at least one more game. Yeah. The extra L in Wilson is obviously for losing. Weighing him down. Seattle, probably my favorite DFS defense, honestly, for turnover upside against Matt Schaub. Yeah. I I haven't haven't looked at prices or anything yet, but I I definitely think they're going to be in play. On the Atlanta side, you know, like I said, if there's no Matt Ryan, then you're just kind of reluctantly playing the guys that you have to play. Julio Jones, Austin Hooper, Calvin Ridley, Devontae Freeman, all in play. But yep. nobody feels comfy with Matt Schaub. Yeah, not exciting. The ceiling's down, obviously, on all these guys if Matt Ryan's out. Mohamed Sanu is gone, at least behind six targets per game. I think that's mostly going to just get spread to Julio, Calvin Ridley, Austin Hooper. Hooper did see three of Matt Schaub's six pass attempts in that game last week. So I, I could see... Job just sort of using Hooper as his security blanket. I think you you know definitely stick with him as your tight end if he's your guy, including the touchdown lead. Yep. Uh, is Ito Smith practicing? I forgot he's, to check him. He's already been ruled out. Oh, okay. So that's, yeah, good news for Freeman. You know, he should be something close to an every down back. Here. Yeah. Let's hope he just doesn't try to punch anybody in the <laughs> helmet this week. Right. 
Chargers at Bears. The Bears are four-point home favorites. That's down one from where it opened and over under 41. The Bears' run D has been really bad the past two weeks after being stingy over the first four weeks. That doesn't make Melvin Gordon exciting because he has not done anything exciting to this point. Not even, like, in spots has he looked good. It does, however, add some upside to him. Yeah, and he's still seeing enough volume where I think you just have to use him. He's averaging 12 carries and 4.3 targets per game. We'll see if the Chargers, you know, start going more to Austin Eckler, who has just looked better than Melvin all, all season. But until we see that happen, I think Gordon, at least a lower end running back too. Yeah. Uh, Austin Eckler, of course, is in play, even if they don't give him more. He showed that in two of the past three games. And they're four-point underdogs, so yeah. there should be reason for a little bit more throwing and a little bit more Eckler. And the Bears have allowed the third most running back catches and the fifth most running back receiving yards. Yeah, Chicago's inside linebackers have not been good. Roquan Smith saw his playing mm-hmm. time cut last week. I think that's a direct result from their bad run defense in recent weeks. Yep. Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, Mike Williams, I think all in play at their usual levels. Phillip Rivers outside of the top 12. I would yeah. play him behind guys like Jameis Winston, Ryan Tannehill, but I would play him over Daniel Jones, Sam Darnold, Carson Wentz. Um, yeah, I was going to say Wentz would be tough for me. I don't like either guy, but I think I believe in Wentz a bit more. I believe in Phillip Rivers' options more than Carson Wentz's. Yeah, I just I think week. Rivers is just going to be under siege this entire game. I don't think the Bears have been as good lately on defense as as you are thinking. I think their pass rush is still pretty good. Yeah. On the Bears side, I hope I don't need anything besides Allen Robinson. Mm-hmm. It's a terrific matchup for David Montgomery, but they would have to decide to use him to actually exploit that. It's a fine spot for Tariq Cohen, but his usage is nothing impressive so far. So again, you know, if you're looking to them as your best options on your team, it's a fine spot. Chicago's holding them back, though. Yeah, I'm definitely not excited to use Dave Montgomery. I still think, though, that last week was more of an outlier as far as his usage. I mean, his opportunities in the four games prior to last week were 21, 16, 27, and 12. So I still think you're probably going to get, you know, 15 or so touches out of him. Yeah, we'll see. Anthony Miller is coming on. Playing time's up. Targets are up. PFF grades are up. He gets a better matchup, it looks like, than Allen Robinson. Pro Mm -hmm. Football Focus says we should get a Casey Hayward shadow on Allen Robinson in this game. So, you know, Anthony Miller has a little bit of sneaky upset. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to be desperate to use him. Um, the Chargers yeah. have allowed the seventh fewest fantasy points to slot receivers. So, you know, it's, it's a better matchup for Miller, but but not a great matchup. Mm-hmm. And Trey Burton has quietly turned into basically nothing this year. Jeez. He has yet to top 20 receiving yards or four targets in any game this season. Seven total catches over his past three games. And for the year, Adam Shaheen has six <laughs> more receiving yards. Entire Bears offense, such a disappointment. Ugh. Denver at Indianapolis. The Colts are six-point favorites, over under 43. No Emmanuel Sanders here. Do we get target spikes for Cortland Sutton and or Noah Fant? I, I think Deshaun Hamilton's the big winner. You know, mm-hmm. He's the guy that's going to step into that Sanders role as a number two wide receiver. He caught 25 balls over the final four games of last season with Sanders out. So not an exciting option. He's you know still catching balls from Joe Flacco. He's not a big play guy, not a great touchdown bet. But I think in, in, in PPR leagues, Hamilton should definitely be owned, and I think you know he's a low-level option this week. Now, we have mentioned previously how Emmanuel Sanders was playing more outside and Deshaun Hamilton was still running in the slot. So I'll be curious to see if maybe we don't get as much more Deshaun Hamilton as we might expect, but I do think that this matchup sets up well for Hamilton. The yeah. zone coverage of the Colts does not let a whole lot happen deep like even against Houston last week you didn't see Texans receivers getting deep very much I don't think Sutton's going to be able to work far downfield I think we'll see shorter stuff 
it's an okay spot for target volume in a game that I do think Denver should be trailing. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Hamilton's playing time is going to climb a whole lot because he already been out there, you know, for like three quarters of the snaps. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Sanders leaves behind 6.3 targets per game, and those mm-hmm. got to go somewhere. Sutton's already seeing excellent volume, so I'm not sure how much he can come up. So I think Hamilton is going to be a pretty good bet for, you know, five, six, seven targets per game going forward. I don't think that there's any room to predict any breakouts for Noah Fant at this point, but he did at least see five targets last week. The Colts are allowing Horrible. the third most PPR points per game, two tight ends. Only four teams are allowing more tight end receptions per game. So th- th- there's some volume upside. Yeah, there there is. Um, and I don't, I don't know if the Broncos can go away from Fant, but he was just so bad last week. I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, scale back his role a bit going forward. Yeah, and to be fair, so was Mark Andrews, and he doesn't even get to claim being a rookie. <laughs> Both running backs are starters for the Denver side. Football Outsiders has the Colts 31st and run defense DVOA, and we know that even if Denver falls behind, it's still going to give the ball to those running backs. Lindsey and Royce Freeman are both top 20 PPR wide receivers on this, you know, crappy offense. Kind of amazing. Yeah, they're kind of both in don't need to talk about them on Thursday pod status. Yep. On the Colts side, Jacoby Brissett's not a guy that you must replace, but he's not in a great spot this week against Denver, just outside our top 12. I don't think that I would pick up Ryan Tanhill to start over him unless I really just had a spot on the roster to play with, like somebody that I didn't care at all about dropping. Yeah, Brissett has some good matchups coming up, right? I mean, I, I definitely prefer Tannehill this week. I certainly I wouldn't know. drop Brissett right. to get Ryan that, Tannehill. Yeah, that's, that, that'd be my issue because, you know, then you're sort of screwed at quarterback if Tannehill's your guy and you can't pick Brissett back up. But if, if you can help it, I would play guys like Tannehill. I'd play Jameis Winston over uh, Brissett this week. Marlon Mack, 29 and 18 carries over his past two games, three catches in each of those. So he looks healthy, looks like an easy start going forward. Yep, easy start. Broncos' run D has been better, especially since that big Leonard Fournette game. Mm-hmm. Um, they've allowed just 2.5 yards per carry to running backs over the past three games, but Max getting the volume where he's a must start. Mm -hmm. No thanks on any Colts pass catchers for me, really beyond T.Y. Hilton, if I can help it. Eric Ebron is coming off his best performance of the season. He's a solid play at tight end, but nothing else sits in starter range for me. Ebron's also coming off a season low with a 40% route rate. Um, (laughs) Jack Doyle was at 76%. So I'd be, I mean, I think a lot of folks have to start Eric Ebron, Mm -hmm. but I, you know, he's, he's not a guy I'm comfortable with. Mm Mm-hmm. Zach Pascal, by the way, still sat third among Colts and why a Colts wide receivers in playing time last week and only four snaps ahead of Deion Kane, who was fourth and actually opened the game on the field ahead of Zach Pascal. Yeah, and Kane and Chester Rogers and T.Y. Hilton ran more routes than Pascal, so he was fourth in routes among the wideouts. So definitely not a guy I'm trusting yet. And it was not a matter of him being featured. I'd, uh, there might have been like one of his catches where Jacoby Brissett looked his way first as opposed to just kind of fighting it, finding him as he went through his reads. Yeah. Carolina at San Francisco to start the late afternoon portion. Niners by five and a half at home, over under 42. The Panthers are implied for just 18.25 points. Christian McCaffrey's obvious. I think most of us don't have a better tight end option than Greg Olson on our roster. So that's pretty much it for me among Carolina players. Yeah, I mean, McCaffrey's the only guy I'd want to start. Um, You know, Olson has had big games against Tampa Bay twice and Arizona, who are, you know, two of the three or four worst tight end defenses. Then he's done pretty much nothing in the other four games. And the Niners, first in football outsiders, tight end coverage ranking, second in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight end. So sort of like with Ebron, Olsen might just be your best bet, but I I don't like him this week. Yeah, it's similar to what we said with Jacoby Brissett. If you have an extra roster spot, I would try Johnny Smith because I think there's a lot more upside to him than Greg Olsen this week. Definitely. 
Uh, try not to use DJ Moore. Try not to use Curtis Samuel. And, you know, whether you have to really depends totally on what you have on your roster. Yeah, 49ers also first against wide receivers. Emmanuel Sanders should jump into the lineup right away for the Niners, but he jumps into a slightly negative matchup for wide receiver scoring, a low-volume passing offense in a game where his team is the easy home favorite. He's still, at best, the number two receiver behind George Kittle. Yeah. And the Niners also throw plenty to the running backs. So, I mean, Sanders is in play, but I wouldn't get excited. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't mind using him. I mean, assuming he plays, I would imagine he's you know going to be limited, at least some, after joining the team, you know, three or four days before that game starts. I generally don't like wide receivers that change teams during the season. Sanders did point out, though, he, he did an interview as he was leaving Denver that... Now, Rich Scangarello is the Broncos' OC who came from San Francisco, so he's basically going to a very similar offense, which should help. So I do think Sanders could be a wide receiver three. I don't think he'll jump into wide receiver two, Terry, but but maybe a wide receiver three once he settles into the offense. Mm-hmm. Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, I think both in play here. Breida was running even with Tevin Coleman before mm-hmm. leaving last week's game with an injury. Yeah, it's, it's a good matchup for San Fran because the Panthers are so much better against the pass than the run. They're 30th in football outsiders run defense, and we know San Francisco just wants to run it as much as possible anyway, so it, it sets up for a, a big game for both running backs. Cleveland at New England. The Patriots are 13-point home favorites. That's up 2.5 from where it opened. Browns are implied for just 1625 I have no expectations for anyone among the Browns. I don't have anything sneaky, and I'm not even feeling great about the guys that I would have to use among them. Yeah, I mean, pretty much impossible to set Odell Beckham, but don't be surprised if he has a tough game. I mean, he has Stephon Gilmore in shadow coverage. The Pats are probably going to say, you know, Beckham's the guy we don't want to beat us and try to take him away. Football Outsiders has the Patriots second in coverage against number one wideouts. Yeah, I mean, there's what, him and Ricky Seals-Jones who are <laughs> capable of making big chunk plays yeah. here. As long as you take Beckham out, yeah. it's like, go for it, Cleveland. Then, yeah. you know, we'll let Baker Mayfield do the dust busting at the end. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Jarvis Landry outscores Beckham here. Um, you know, we, we talked about last week that the, the receivers that have had decent games against Patriots have been the slot guys, and, and that's Jarvis Landry. And, you know, he's still one of the better slots the Patriots will face this season. On the Patriots' side, Cleveland's really not doing anything particularly well on defense. They have talent, but they're not really stopping anything in particular. The run D is much worse than the Jets' unit last week that allowed three Mm -hmm. touchdowns to Sonny Michel. So, Michel's an easy start. James White is a starter this week. Leads the league in red zone targets, just one touchdown so far. I would try not to use Mohamed Sanu so soon after the trade. I mean, I would guess that New England traded for him because they think he's smart enough to pick up their system quickly, but I would certainly rather wait through the first game at least. Yeah, and of course, Josh Gordon out of the picture here, so I think it's going to be Julian Edelman, Mohamed Sanu, Philip Dorsett as the top three wide receivers going forward. I wouldn't use Sanu either. I think Philip Dorsett is in play this week. Four out of his five games without Antonio Brown have been pretty productive this season even the one that wasn't that was the game in Buffalo and Dorsett saw nine targets in that game so you know he's he's been pretty good he's been efficient with Brady and we just saw before starting to record that Ian Rappaport says Josh Gordon is gonna try to get a release from the Patriots so that he can play for somebody else this season apparently he doesn't believe that he's done for the year so if you are in a deeper roster format maybe try to hang on to Josh Gordon for now and see what happens. Yeah, I, I wouldn't hang on to him at the expense of something particularly good yep. on the waiver wire, though. If you if there's something that's going to help you this week, I would go ahead and grab it. But, you know, if you have that spot to play with and it's a speculative ad, I would stick, stick with Josh Gordon for now. Yeah, I agree. I think if you can, you hang on to him, but he's definitely caught up. I mean, what are the odds he you know gets healthy, finds a new team, and <laughs> becomes you know a guy we can count on in fantasy lineups all in the next eight weeks? Yeah, not high. 
Uh, Benjamin Watson, by the way, played 76% yeah. of the snaps, saw five targets in his first action with the Patriots, saw action as a run blocker to the point where they lined him up at fullback. So I think that kind of role helps him to stay on the field in general and especially can help him stay on the field in the red zone, which is where mm-hmm. the high-value targets come, especially for tight ends. Yeah, and five targets might not seem like much, but only eight tight ends sound more than that last week. So like, it's enough to make Watson a guy who I think should be rostered right now if you don't have a tight end that you're you know counting on every week as your starter. Yeah, pretty much every week at this point, five targets puts you inside the top 12 at <laughs> among tight ends. Yep. So if you can do that in a good offense, then you're, you're worthwhile. Oakland at Houston. The Texans are six and a half point favorites. It's a 51 and a half point over under. So we like the points here. Tyrell Williams put in a limited practice Wednesday. It was his first action since week four. If he returns and, you know, the coach said he's questionable at this point. Mm -hmm. But if he returns, he faces a set of corners that are so bad that Houston is just traded for Garyon Conley, a player that Oakland was willing to give up just a couple years after drafting him in the first round. And Houston wants to start him right away. They're trying to get him ready to play right away. So that's how bad their corners are right now. If Tyrell Williams is active for this game, he's in the middle of wide receiver three range for me. Yep, I agree. Um, I saw an interview with Tyrell Williams on Wednesday where he was, he, he still sounded unsure about his status. He like wanted to see how the foot responded to practice this week. So we'll, we'll see. Hopefully we have a better idea. Um, this is a late kickoff, I believe. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll hopefully have a better idea by Sunday morning. Yeah, I mean, if he heads into Sunday as a game time decision, I think you got to go for an option yeah. in a different game. You know, unless you're picking, unless you're weighing him against somebody that's playing Sunday or Monday night. Yeah. Tyrell, obviously, too, I think does a lot if he returns for Derek Carr, who's, you know, been throwing to Trevor Davis and Hunter Renfro at, at wide receiver these last couple of weeks. Yeah, and yet Derek Carr, a top 12 <laughs> play this week, he's got a league high 74.1% completion rate yeah. on the year so far, solid seven and a half yards per attempt that would be a career high for the season two touchdown passes in three of his past four and the other game in that stretch uh Oakland scored 24 points against Chicago it was just all Josh Jacobs yeah I can't I can't say I'm super excited about him though Um, there's no such thing as being super excited about Derek Carr he finished 13th last week among quarterbacks that was his first finish better than 17th on the season so he's kind of been irrelevant before last week this matchup is good and if he gets Tyrell back I I think he has a spot start option Mm mm-hmm on the Houston side, I mean, didn't mention Darren Waller oh, and Josh yeah. Jacobs because yeah. we don't need to. Yeah, um, Jacobs dealing with the shoulder injury that knocked him out of last week's game for a little bit. And John Gruden made it seem like he's not a lock to play Sunday, so we'll have to watch that one. On the Houston side, Will Fuller's likely out. He's got the hamstring injury. That makes Kenny Stills a strong play if, if Fuller is out, which seems likely. 94% of the snaps last week for Kenny Stills. The Raiders obviously are coming off allowing big things to Green Bay Mm -hmm. in the passing game last week, and that was the second time this year that the Raiders have allowed a quarterback to throw for at least 420 yards and at least four touchdowns. Granted, it was Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, but Deshaun Watson is no slob here. Yeah, I love the passing game here. I think Stills is like a wide receiver two this week in in the matchup. Um, Oakland, not a good pass defense, especially bad against deep passes they've allowed the most completions of 20 plus yards the third most completions of 40 plus yards and still is quietly i mean you know sandwiched around the injury he's been super efficient this season um 79 catch rate 19.5 yards per catch and yet houston wants to start a cornerback that that oakland defense was willing to trade away <laughs> for third round pick Kiki Cutie is at the bottom of wide receiver three territory. He was still just about a 69% playing time guy 
last week. So, you know, it's a good matchup for him. Just don't know how the volume is going to be. Yeah. Ran her out on 76% of Watson's dropback. So that, that's a decent number. I think, mm-hmm. um, especially in PPR leagues, you know, the Texans still using him more on short passes, which just kind of annoys me because the guy, yeah. the guy's fast. Like he was a downfield threat in college, but um, you know, the, the usage I think helps his PPR floor. Did get the rushing touchdown inside the red zone. Did get another red zone target, although it wasn't really that close. Carlos Hyde is a much better bet if Houston's playing from ahead, and it certainly seems like they should be in this game. Yeah, 19.3 carries per game for Hyde and wins versus just 11.3 per game in Texans losses. So he's definitely a game flow dependent back. He should have game flow on his side here. Oakland has been pretty good against the run, though. Um, they're 11th in football outsiders run defense rankings, giving up just 3.9 yards per carry. So don't expect a you know hugely efficient game from Hyde, but I do think he you know could get to 20 carries here. Yeah, we'll take 20 carries for 62 and a touchdown at this <laughs> sure, point. Sure. And by the same token, both of Houston's tight ends are in play. I, you know, you can't get excited about either of them in any week, but it's a fine matchup for them. There should mm-hmm. be lots of points here. So. If you're looking down in the range where they are in the rankings, I think Jordan Akins easily beats the guys around him in ultimate ceiling. Yeah, great matchup. Um, the Raiders are 29th in football outsiders tight end coverage and 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed. Akins and Fells had been running pretty much the same number of routes for the past two or three weeks. Last week, um, Akins was up at 69%. Fells was down to 43%. So we'll see if that was a trend or not. But I think Akins definitely the safer play. Um, he's been at 63-plus percent of their outs in three straight games now. Mm-hmm. Green Bay at Kansas City on Sunday night. Packers are four. Oh. I was, oh. I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, this game would have been so good if it was you know Rodgers versus Mahomes. Yeah, you know, I don't <laughs> think anybody's more disappointed about this than NBC. Yeah. Packers are four-point road favorites because of Patrick Mahomes' knee. Uh, 47.5 over-under. Aaron Rodgers pretty much has to start coming off of that huge game against Oakland last week. He has really just been, like, okay outside of that game, though. For fantasy, yeah. Um, I, I, again, I think he's been playing well, and we just talked about, you know, the fact that he, he just wasn't scoring touchdowns, and that sort of all snapped back in, in a big way last week. I do think this isn't a great spot for him, though. You know, the Chiefs are fourth in football outsiders past defense rankings. They've been a slightly negative matchup for quarterbacks, and I just think, you know, especially if Devonta Adams is still out, and he looks iffy still Mm -hmm. um it it should be a game where the Packers lean on their running game against this bad Chiefs run defense yeah still no practice for Adams on Wednesday Marquez Valdez Scantling though was a full participant so I mean he played last week had the big play among his two catches it looks like he should be healthier heading into this one yeah he he played last week had the long touchdown he was also fourth among Packers receivers in routes though just 35 percent route rate for MVS and I'm guessing that was because of the injuries but it's also possible that He's, you know, sort of been knocked down the depth track because he hadn't been playing well those those you know, previous few games. So I would try not to use him again in this spot just because I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of passing volume from the Packers. I would still play him over Alan Lazard and Jake Kumaro, though. I would play him over those two. If if I'm choosing a Packers receiver, Allison would be my, my top my top bet. You'd play Geronimo Allison over MBS? I would, yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, Allison ran her out on uh, 70% of the dropbacks last week versus just 35 for MBS. I feel like this is going to end up being, though, more injury-related and we get more it, MBS it be. because of now that he looks healthier. Yeah, it, it definitely could be, but I think we don't know for sure at this point. And his downfield ability would, would make me play him over Geronimo Allison, but it's kind of splitting hairs at that level, too. Yeah. As you mentioned, Chiefs much better against the pass. I think Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are both in play for that reason. Yeah, um, big upside for both guys on the ground. They've both been getting good passing game usage, too. Jones, in his last four games, the targets has gone, have gone 7-8-7-4. And then Jamal Williams has seen five targets in both of his last two games. And, of course, Jared groaned at the beginning because Matt Moore is starting a quarterback mm. for the Chiefs. For me, that means only Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey yeah. 
among the pass catchers. Sammy Watkins put in a full practice Wednesday, but I mean, he was trending downwards statistically before going down with the injury. So I would like to watch him before playing him. Yeah, me too. I mean, I'm not sure Watkins will be an option until Patrick Mahomes is back, and I definitely wouldn't use Watkins in this first game back from the hamstring in a tough matchup, too. Well, Sean McCoy led the backfield with 26 snaps last week versus 18 for Daryl Williams, 17 for Damian Williams. Damian Williams, though, nine carries and three targets to just two and two for Daryl Williams. So I think McCoy is a decent starter in a spot that should be good for touch volume. Damian Williams in a pinch, but I would sure not want to use any Williams here. No, I wouldn't want to use Damon Williams either. Um, yeah, McCoy's led the Chiefs in carries the past two weeks now, and it's it's been just 20 carries total. But again, with Mahomes out, I think the Chiefs lean on the run at least a bit more here, especially in this matchup. You know, the mm-hmm. Packers much better against the pass than the run. Mm-hmm. Final game, Miami at Pittsburgh on Monday night. Steelers by 14 and a half. Dolphins are implied for 14 and a half. And that is a team that's <laughs> going to start Mason Rudolph at quarterback. So things are still not good for Miami. Mason Rudolph is expected to return from his concussion. I still think the Steelers will remain a running back heavy offense. James Conner is a strong bet for volume. And really, I think Benny Snell is in play. If you were in a position this week where you were worshiping at the Ty Johnson altar and you did not have your prayers (laughs) answered. Yeah, I mean, I think Snell probably gets, you know, 8 to 10 carries here, which which puts him in play. 17 against the Chargers. 17 against the Chargers (laughs) with, you know, Conner. Conner left with a quad injury in that game. Um, he, He should be fine, but we'll have to watch him but you know Connor and RB1 if he plays um Juju you're definitely starting him he's he's been okay in Mason Rudolph starts he's gone three catches for 81 yards in a score three for 15 and then seven for 75 in a score yeah so we'll see how he goes I agree that you probably have yeah. him in your lineup Vance McDonald same deal you probably have him in your lineup it's yeah. the matchup with the Dolphins and there aren't that many good tight ends out there yeah exactly I mean it's it's a low floor play I think um just four total targets for, sure. for Vance in his last two games but I think you know a a better touchdown bet here than he is most weeks. James Washington seems to think that he will be ready to play. He said he, quote, did everything at Wednesday's practice. Of course, we don't get an injury report until after Thursday's practice because it's the Monday night game. So we'll see. His return would obviously hurt the upside for Deontay Johnson, however much of that there was to begin with. Yeah, I mean, Deontay was running ahead of Washington before his injury anyway. So I, I still think Washington, or sorry, I still think Johnson, the better fantasy bet among mm-hmm. those two. But, you know, I think they're only in play for, you know, the DFS showdowns for Monday night. Yes, I agree. Jalen Samuel also put in a limited workout Wednesday, took part in individual drills. Doesn't sound like he expects to play this week, and that really they have no reason to push him back for this right. matchup with Miami. Yeah, I mean, if he is back, then no, he, he's obviously the guy you could use as a low-level starter in place of Benny Snell. Anything else in that one? No. Good. I don't want to talk about the Dolphins <laughs> either. That's going to do it for this Week 8 preview edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now to see our full Week 8 rankings. Check your My Team page to see how our projections fit into your league-specific format. And check back before you finalize that roster this weekend just to see what we might have changed along the way for injuries and otherwise. You can also find the usual batch of weekly articles, including the free weekly series, 32 IDP Things to Know. We'll be back at it Friday with our DFS shows. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShaufDS. That's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smol and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schauf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.